So Psalm 197, O how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast, ca- thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And so we're on page uh, six, and we're on item number six. And that's the gift of steadfastness. Those are the blanks. The gift of steadfastness. So that's verse 102. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. And I have a special note here that says, um, or I have a note that says, there is a special brand of wickedness in departing from the Lord and his judgment. So there's all sin is sin, <laughs> and all, you know, lack of wisdom is all, you know, of course not good, but there's a special, there's a special offense in departing from the Lord uh, and his judgment. So I have several verses I want to look at there. Psalm 18, Psalm 18. In verse uh, 21, this is David, I, uh, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Um, for all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. I, I love Psalm 18. Uh, there's for a number of different reasons. I love the way he, uh, he brags on the Lord, how the Lord answered his prayer in a time of desperate, desperate uh, crying unto him. God was mighty in his response. But there's a lot of things about Psalm 18, and this is one of them. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. And I also want to also make mention of the fact that the, the that David is saying here, thank the Lord that I have not departed. But of course, there's nothing that you and I will ever be able to brag about. Every good thing in our life is God's doing, even in this sense that if I have if I haven't turned away from the Lord, and thank God, many of us here in this room tonight, God has been in our life actively for many years, and yet. Any steadfastness that any of us have is God's work in our lives. It's ne- it's never there's never bragging room for me to say, look what I have done. And yet David here he's saying, I have not depart- wickedly departed from my God. And so that's the point I wanted to to point out there is that there's a special offense in in a, in a way of selfishness of sinfulness departing now. And and David was no perfect man. We have a a good solid record of his life and it wasn't perfect it wasn't without spot or blemish and here's the point is that God sees us through and as long as we're willing to have God correct us like David did after the sin with Bathsheba and the sin with Uriah her husband and then um, you know David had a child with Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet came to him and said what anybody know Thou art the man, the, the, the stinging con, uh, condemnation that he was the one who was guilty of, of, uh, of these crimes, and yet God restored him. And, you know, the record that God set of David throughout the kings that followed is David was the standard. You have done right or you have not done that, that which is right like David, my servant, did. And here's my point is that no matter who we are, we're still going to be flawed and sinful people, but it's God who keeps us on track. It's God who corrects us, and, of course, Lord helping us, we will be corrected and, and stay on the path. And so there's another verse I want you to look at with me, Dan, Dan chapter 9. 
Daniel chapter 9. This is a, an extraordinary prayer of Daniel's. This is, of course, in the midst of the captivity. Daniel has been serving the king of, of Babylon for many years. And so at this point, he says in this prayer in Daniel chapter uh, 9, verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made, made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keep in the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by, by departing thy precepts and thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in, in, in thy name unto our kings, our princes, our, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day. To the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the, all the countries, whither thou hast driven them, because of the, their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which we have set which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore this, uh, the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written uh, in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us, and against our judges that judged us by bringing us a great evil. For under the whole heaven hath not been done as it hath been done upon Israel." As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God, our righteousness, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renowned as at this day we have sinned and have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee that let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because of, for our sins and for the iniquities of our, of our fathers, Jerusalem and, all, and thy people are become a reproach to all that are upon, about us. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear, and open, mine, open thine eyes, and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. I read all that because if you'll notice Daniel... He's a great man of God, and there's a, a pretty wonderful record that's recorded of who he was and his love of God and his humbleness and, and the great way in which God used him. And yet you see in his prayer, and his, it's really an intercessory prayer for the people of Israel, but you'll notice, and this is why we're looking at this, he says that his, he and his people, have, it's kind of a double sin. Because not only did they not walk in God's ways, but they had actively turned away from following, following God. And, of course, that is, that's the special offense that we're talking about, is there's an extra offense for God's people to turn away from him and to embrace sin. And, of course, you saw what happened there. God had, and by the way, God, the record that God gave 
of, you know, sending, the Bible says, waking up early and sending prophets over and over and over to Israel. And when they did respond, it was just tepidly. It was fainted, fainted sort of, uh, a faint sort of way. It was never in truth. It was never in a, a wholehearted embracing of, their, of confessing sin and turning to God with all their heart. Instead, it was, it was just a, a very vague sort of way. What's that? Lip service, perhaps. Lip service, yeah. Uh, th- th- I'm sure that was part of it. And so here's, again, what Daniel says. And I, I also appreciate that Daniel is confessing to God as though it all weighs upon him. And, and listen, D- Daniel never says, hey, listen, my countrymen, they've done really, really badly, and I've done okay, but they've, run, they've done really... He never says it like that. He's always confessing to the, to the Lord his own sin and the, and the sin of his people, and, God, and Daniel seeks for God's mercy. And so um, I just wanted to point out the, the special brand of wickedness in departing from the Lord and his judgments. And so letter A, we rejoice when we find God's work and fruit in our lives. Steadfastness to walk with God and abstain from evil is a definite work of God and not something we can claim for ourselves. And again, back in Psalm 18, and so this is a little later than what we read, uh, Psalm 18, verse 32 through 33, it's there in your notes. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Um, Sorry, my notes. (laughs) Okay, it is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. And of course, that's David again using such wonderful language where he says, and I have uh, this note underneath uh, mine where it says, he maketh my feet like hinds feet. And that's, of course, speaking to the fact that like the... uh, the, the, the goats, the, the hinds, I guess, on the mountains, how they're so, you know, able to stick to the mountain like uh, like glue. You know, they're not easily shaken and, or not easily moved. And there's a number of things I want to share with you about that. So in Psalm 16, I'm going to turn and read these. If you'd like to turn with me, you can. But Psalm 16, verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And it's, it's and, and well, let me read it again. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. And then uh, Psalm 62, something similar. Psalm 62 in verse 1. So a couple of different verses about that. Psalm 62. Okay, Psalm 62, verse 1. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. My defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And then on down in verse five, it says, my soul, wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved in the, And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. ye people pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Silah. And I just Praise God for the way David writes these things, knowing that with the Lord, at, with us, with he, like David said, at my right hand, he is with us, and he will not depart from us. You know, we can depart from him, but he won't depart from us. And he's, he mentions the steadfastness we have with God with us. And that's what Emmanuel means, God with us. And it's something we can truly rejoice in, that God will never leave us. We can walk away from him. We can walk away from his path, but he does not leave us. And so um, I have this uh, also that this is a testimony that only God can give us. And again, I, I look back in my life and I can see so often that God was faithful to help us, to help my family, to meet our needs, to meet me where I was when I wasn't where I was supposed to be. And to give me at times the tender rebuke and sometimes the stern one. 
and sometimes the one that rocked my world (laughs) because that's what I needed. God is faithful. He's always faithful and he's always there for to to help us to hear his voice. And of course, uh, then in number two, it says underneath that, that uh, it is also a testimony to the clear path that the Lord has shown shown when we have a desire to be only on God's path, walking with him. And um, I have uh, I have this note underneath that, that um, turn with me at Proverbs chapter three, Proverbs chapter three in verse 13. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. And so this is uh, some of the discourse about wisdom. And this is a, a beautiful passage. But it says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop the dew, or drop down the dew. And again, it's a, it's a testimony that God gives us when we can see that his path is the only place to be. And of course, as we walk through this life, you know, we have this old man that is constantly drawn into the same sins and the same things that the rest of the world is. But we, as children of God, God has a plan for our lives and God helping us, and that's what this is about, is that he can show us that his way is the only way. His path is the only path, not just where I'll be safe, but it's the path of peace. It's the path of understanding. It's the path of, of God's blessings. And so it's, it's a blessing when God reveals to us that his path is the only path to desire to be on. And every other one is, is the wrong way to go. And so uh, I thank God for the way, you know, in, in Psalm three, or Proverbs 3, it's this speaking of wisdom almost as a person, well, as it's referred to as a person, that she has set her, uh, uh, her, her feast and she's inviting people to come and partake. And yet the wisdom is God's way. Walking in wisdom is walking in God's way, God's plan for our lives. Any other path is not just a mistake, it's tragic. And so let her be here in your notes is, uh, for thou hast taught me, God as a teacher is a great gift in itself. And so um, I think I got my notes out of place here. <laughs> okay, but, so before that was this thought that uh, living a life that's pleasing to him is its own reward. And I didn't write down the reference, but Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. You know, for all of eternity, Enoch gets to enjoy the testimony that he walked with God so closely or so, so much pleasing to God that God just took him. And, you know, there's looking from the perspective of eternity, no one, no one will 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 think, man, it was a close call living for the world or and living for myself or living for God. It's not close at all. It's a it's a it's a terrible tragedy to live in any other way than God's plan. And the thing is, is, in this life, God gives the blessings of walking with him. God rewards us with peace and happiness and contentment, even amidst the challenges and the pains. But living a life that is pleasing to him is its own reward. And, uh, and I thank God for Enoch also. But uh, let her be here is, for thou hast taught me. God as a teacher is a great gift in itself. 
And so that's there in your notes, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And so God is specifically our teacher. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. But as touching brotherly love, ye, have, ye, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And, of course, that's what God's doing in all of our lives is he's bringing us along and he's teaching us and he's he's giving us uh, eyes to see and, and ears to hear and a heart to understand. That's God's doing in our lives. God's the one that gives us these understandings. And so letter C, I have not departed. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not in your notes. It's in my <laughs> letter C, I have not departed. And then uh, for thou art, thou hast taught me. And so I have this this note. And I anyway, it says loving Christ means keeping his commandments and having the Holy Spirit for a comforter and teacher. If you'd like to turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And verse 15. It's the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another, another comforter, that he, might abide, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in, in, in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hears is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And you know, John 14 begins with, let, let not your hearts be troubled. <laughs> let not your heart be troubled, but ye believe in God, believe also in me. And you know, that's... That's a great deal of the key to the Christian life is keeping our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our focus on the Lord and not ourselves, not our circumstances. And of course, what does life on planet Earth do to you? But constantly sort of grasp a Christian can have his attention grabbed and drawn down into the muck and the mire of the world. Christians are meant to live out of that stuff, even in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulations and pains and anguish. Yet we can live with the peace of God. It's a gift that God gives his, his, his people. And that, that God is specifically our comforter and teacher is specifically something he's te- teaching his disciples here. And you, you notice the plainness by which he speaks here. It's not in parables. It's strictly just him speaking to his, his, his disciples. And he says, um, if a man love me, this is verse 23. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which he hears not mine, but my father's which sent me. These things have I spoken to you, being yet present with you. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So having pastors and teachers and these are wonderful gifts, but God himself is the best teacher. 
Our place is to daily seek his face, daily seek his teaching in our hearts and our minds so that he can instruct us all day long. You know, that's that's God's plan for our lives is to be in close communion with him and all day long have him speaking to our hearts and our minds. And that's the way in which you and I will lead a successful Christian life is by living closely with the Lord and walking closely with him. And so, um, again, that note that I had is that loving Christ means keeping his commandments and having the Holy Spirit for a comforter and a teacher. Well, we still have time. How about that? Number seven, <laughs> loving his words. So those are the blanks, loving his words. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are thy words into my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so letter A there is loving his words is really about loving him. As the truth is revealed about us uh, and about uh, and about him, we find his words are priceless treasure. And so Luke, what this is, is a, it's a collection of just when I've read these words, they just thrilled my heart. And, and anyway, that's what we're going to share together now. Luke, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I know we've done a lot of reading tonight, but hopefully that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat, meat, eat, eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of a woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Verse 40, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two, two debtors. The one owed five, 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, that thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her tears, with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And... <laughs> And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And to the woman, and to, he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. And, you know, I think it's, I think this passage means the most obviously to those who have been forgiven by God things that people can't even imagine. Can God save a prostitute? <laughs> Can God save a drug user? Can God save a murderer? Can God save uh, the worst of mankind? Yes, he can. That's the, that's the point of this. Of when, I, when I think about how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Can you imagine how that woman felt first to come in to Jesus' presence? She obviously knew he was not just a prophet. He wasn't just a religious leader. She knew he was more. And yet she could not refrain herself from taking this box of precious ointment and anointing his feet 
And the Pharisee, he didn't so much as offer him water to clean. They, they, had, they walked with sandals on dirty roads. Their feet were filthy. <laughs> so to, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I get home, I want to get comfortable. <laughs> and coming into someone's house to have, you, you, anyway, the point is, is that he didn't offer him even water. But she anointed his feet with this precious ointment. She washed his feet with her tears and she didn't cease to kiss his feet. Obviously, Jesus represented something beyond words to her. And that was before he said what he did at the end here, verse 48. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And again, the Lord Jesus, he knew who she was. What Simon didn't understand is as far as sinners go, he wasn't really that far different from her. It took the same cost of redemption to save Simon as it would be to save her. And of course, those words though, thy sins are forgiven. You know she was conscious of who she was. You can't be in Jesus' presence and not know who you are. So he said, thy sins are forgiven. In verse uh, Luke chapter 23, if you'd like to turn there with me, Luke chapter 23, verse uh, 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged with him, this is, the, of course, the crucifixion. And one of the malefactors which was hanged with him, uh, hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom, unto thy kingdom. And Jesus said, say, said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou wilt be with me in paradise. And I've, I've many times thought about the fact that there was no better day in that thief's life <laughs> than the day he was nailed to a cross and put up next to the Savior. <laughs> and you know, see, you and I, we often don't realize that when God allows hardship into our life, he's, he's usually, I imagine always, doing something more precious than what we will probably ever fully understand. But when it comes to this man and this thief, it took this point in his life for God to open his eyes. And the Bible says at one point, I think I can't remember which of the Gospels it's in, but the Bible says that at one point they both, as the Pharisees and the chief priests were, were casting these terrible things at him, the Bible says they cast the same into his teeth. They, both of them. But one of the thieves had a change of heart, a change of perception when he came to understand who Jesus was. And so he rebuked the other thief and he said, don't you fear God? And seeing we're in the same condition, we indeed justly. And then he turned to the Lord Jesus, said, Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily, I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And sweet words. In John chapter 8, if you'd like to turn there, John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in, ad in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said, say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. 
So when, when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And again, you know, <laughs> it's interesting because I've, I've always thought this is pretty interesting that these, these, these uh, Pharisees, they did what the law does. It condemns people for their sin. It condemns them for their guilt. <laughs> but here's something else that the law does. It brings sinners to Jesus. Because that's what you find when the law condemns you for your sin. You find, I need someone to save me. I cannot save myself. And here, these chief priests or Pharisees, they brought, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought unto, the, unto him a woman taken in adultery. And here's the wonderful thing about this passage. They left out one by one, convicted. She, the sinner, condemned that they brought. She was the one who heard these words. Neither do I condemn thee. <laughs> Go and sin no more. Isn't that wonderful? They condemned her and brought her and thought to trap Jesus in his words. And instead, this woman went out forgiven for her sins. She was redeemed. <laughs> it's again, you know, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And as we read these things as sinful people. Have you ever read a passage like this? Thy sins are forgiven you and knew it was God's words to you where you are. There are no sweeter words than that. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And um, I, I have one more passage. I, guess I have to stop pretty soon here. But John, uh, Luke chapter 17. It's not in your notes, but Luke chapter 17, verse 12. Luke chapter 17, verse 12. And, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. <laughs> These were lepers. There was no cleansing them. <laughs> and as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering, answered, answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And, uh, and I have just this note that it's, it's freedom song. When God reveals to you who you are, <laughs> and then you have Christ revealed to you, for who he is. And then you find out by God's miracle of grace that he actually came to save sinners like me. And not only just save them as in, you know, keep them out of hell, but take them and make them into his children. There is not one person in this church that on their very best day could deserve the grace given unto us. God has been so good to us that he would send his son to be the way in which this sinner is clean. And not just clean, but made a son of God. 
John chapter 1 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to be called the sons of God. Folks, there's not a human being on earth on their very best day that has ever deserved this, this incredible gift. Listen, when the Holy Spirit makes this precious truth real to our hearts, then we can say with the psalmist here, How sweet are thy words unto my, unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I can tell you, as honestly as I know how, the very most rapturous moments of happiness in my life were when God communicated directly to my heart, I love you and I have forgiven you. You don't have to go on carrying this. Jesus wore this so that I would not have to. And his communication, not just through through someone's voice into my ears, but his direct communication into my heart that he loves me and forgives me. And he's already done everything that was necessary to make me beloved in his eyes. That's who the church is to him. You know, we, again, we don't deserve it. <laughs> How could God do such a thing for us? And none of us, none of us have a good explanation for that other than who he is. He loves like he does because he loves that much. And there, I don't have an explanation of why he's forgiven me or why he's forgiven you. <laughs> All I know is that he loves us. And I, I accept that. And it's his words are sweeter than honey to my mouth. <laughs> that's right. Amen. And listen, I, I, that's, that's what I think of when I, when I read this passage. We won't finish here tonight, but, but glory to God for his communication to us, how much he loves us. Okay, uh, well, I, we have a minute or two. Anybody have any questions or thoughts? I got one for you. Yes, sir. I always wonder what Jesus wrote on the ground that made him scary. <laughs> he wrote something. We don't know what it is. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think we all uh, wonder about that. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, those are probably some things we're going to shout in heaven. Hey, Lord. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about, just as just a side note, but I was thinking about how, you know, in heaven, we, I guess we think that all of our, all of our questions are answered and we know everything we need to know. And the Bible does say we will know even as we are known, but there are still questions in heaven. Let's think about in Revelation how the Bible says underneath the Lord's throne, this is during the time of the tribulation period, that uh, they will cry out, Lord, how long? How long until you, you know, uh, avenge us? And their, their, their word that they were told was just wait a little while. How about that? People in heaven still asking questions. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't pretend to have all the answers. I know I don't have them now. I probably won't have them then. <laughs> but uh, sweet, his words are sweet into our mouths. Anything else? Yes, sir. Well, the thought that just came to my head is, is basically because they know that he's, he's just and righteous. Amen. Amen. Yep. Wanting against right. Justice. And well, the fact that he told them, wait a little while. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that that gave them what they needed. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you, Lord, for your words, which are sweet to our mouths, Lord, and sweet to our hearts and our minds. Thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate your great love for us. And we pray for your blessing on everyone here tonight. Please keep us safe and bring us home safe and bring us back at the next time and bless all the needs that were mentioned tonight. And we do thank you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.